hope each of us are making plans for that address change. Just a few moments ago before I <clears throat> come out, I heard of one of our brothers over in South Africa and his wife are heading to church today and was in an automobile accident. He's a pastor of a church and he's moved on to glory today, changed his address. When it all comes down to it, no matter what we own, how much we're worth, the value of our property or anything like that, when it comes to that time, the only thing that really matters is we're ready in it. I trust that's our desire today. We welcome you today for the first official service of Word of Life Church of Johnson City. We had a little open house here Wednesday night, but I guess officially we weren't allowed to do that. Uh, we actually had permission, but we didn't have written permission, but I got the certificate of occupancy. I pulled out of the parking lot at the municipal place in Johnson City at 4.58 on Friday evening. They close at 5. Like everything else has been with this project we've done, it's been to the dry, down to the last wire of everything. But thank the Lord we got it today so we can officially shout, jump, sing, praise the Lord, cry, make an altar call. <laughs> Whatever the Lord leads us to do today. And I trust this will be the beginning of many great times that we'll have together as the people of God. We're grateful for it. Um, each of you I know are grateful to I'll have to go back to the Holiday Inn. I'm grateful for the Holiday Inn as a place, as a hotel, but for a church, eh, not so much. But um, each cold day I was sitting back there or night, no heat, so I sat back there freezing to death with my coat on. So this morning I went in and had a really nice warm study back there. So. Many of you have complained, of course, that your back hurt with those seats and all that. It was uncomfortable. So I'll tell you what we have to do. All them excuses, we've got them laying lay aside today. So if y'all don't worship, I'm going to think, uh-oh. So let's lay aside all of our excuses. Now I hope everybody's looked around. Everybody look around. Just look around. See all that? Okay, now you've seen that. Now let's open our hearts to the Lord to see what he has for us today. I believe we're living in a great hour. Don't you a great time? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis chapter four. <clears throat> I thought I knew what I was gonna speak about today in our first service, but about 10 minutes after nine, the Lord caught me up with what he had in his mind already. I don't understand exactly why it does me that way. It does me that way a lot. I don't know if I'm, I'm that hard-headed or what. So needless to say, I was uh, a basket case. Uh, so I trust that you'll be able to make sense of it all today. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Notice the difference in their occupation. Abel was a keeper 
of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, notice the order, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, not his offering first, but to him. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain, again, the person first instead of the offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We're going to bow our heads together today. I wonder how many would like to be remembered before the Lord. God bless each of you. Heavenly Father, we want to say with gratitude in our hearts, we're so glad to be able to be gathered here today. After many, many plans and many, many hours of work, and so many have done so much, Lord. And we are thankful for each one for what they have done. Now, Lord, we're able to officially have our first service. We're just so grateful today. We're not coming to present a nice place. We thank you that it is a nice place, but we know that if we were here in a, a brush harbor or in a tent or if we was gathered out under a tree, Lord, you would still be there because where your people are joined together is where you desire to be. Lord Jesus, we're asking you that you would help us today. Help me to get out of the way. Help me that I can be able to surrender myself, Father. Help the people to be able to receive from you. Grant it, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, for Brother Retief's family there in South Africa. Lord, it was your time to call our brother home today and head into church And I imagine there's hundreds and hundreds of our brothers and sisters there, their pastor being taken, and they are weeping and crying and so sad now just trying to figure out what they will do and so on. So we pray that you would be with them today, Lord, that you would comfort them. Another one of your children has made it safely across the divide. We ask you, Lord, that you would be with them. Help us now, fathers, we Endeavor to look into your word, for it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saints said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't. No, thank you. I'd like to speak to you this morning on accepted worshipers. Accepted worshipers. It must have been quite an awesome thing, unlike what we're experiencing here today to where we've got a a new facility of our own and feel like we've been kind of in the Feast of Tabernacles for the last four months. We've been in the booths and here and there and there and whatever we could make best of, but I think in all that there was still a reason for all that. But our scene opens with the two first 
worshipers outside of the garden gate. They both had been taught by the same parents. They hadn't quite heard all the story that had brought them out of the Garden of Eden. You see, their parents were not quite honest with them. They were not taught that it was blood that brought them out. They were not taught exactly what their mother had done. But yet God has a way of making himself known to his own. Whether you are taught the truth or not, he will get the truth to you. I think we all can say amen to that because that's pretty much where all of us were. And yet it was a, an occasion that must have been a happy one. It must have been both of them had come to a spot to where for whatever reason, we have no account uh, that they had done this before, that they'd done this prior to this particular setting. If they had, Moses did not take account of it. And it must have been something that they were given um, a notice on, as it were, maybe by their father, maybe directly by God. We don't know for sure. But somehow they both knew it was time for them to worship. They knew it was time for them to come to the best they knew as an altar. Now remember, neither of these boys had actually been inside the Garden of Eden. All their life, all they had known was living outside the Garden Gate. So I can imagine they would walk up there from time to time and they would get close to where the cherubims were and they would see the flaming fire on both sides and they would feel an element of fear. Remember, they had been born totally different than the way their mother and father had come into the earth. And they themselves had now been born with fear. They'd been born with an element of trauma. They'd been born with an element of nervousness and all that sort of thing. Adam created fresh from the hand of God, didn't know what that was like. Neither did Eve, but their boys did. So you can imagine them as they would come near this big, beautiful gate and they would ask, why can we no, not, no longer go inside of there? Didn't you say you used to live there? Oh, yes, we used to live there. We used to live there. What, what was it like? Oh, boys, it, it, was, it was more than you can comprehend. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you just cannot imagine what it was like to be inside of that place. The great animals would come up to us, and the birds would fly upon Papa's shoulder, and they'd coo to him, and he would name them. The dinosaurs would come through the paradise of God. There was no harm. There was just as gentle as a little kitten. And they would tell them over, and what was it, what was it that brought you all out? Well, we'll not go into the details of that. That is not really something that we want to talk about. It's not really something that we want to share with you boys. Maybe, maybe sometime later we'll tell you about it. But yet on this particular time, it had come our time for them to go to worship. You see, there's something about the heart of every individual whether they even believe in God or not. There's something in them that calls them to worship. And they will worship something. They'll either worship God, they'll worship a piano, they'll worship a building, they'll worship an idol, they'll worship their wife, themselves, their mother, their father. It's in all human beings to worship. Some worship movies, some worship their phone. 
They worship social media. They're more in contact with that than they are with God, so that's what they worship. So everybody will worship something. Now, whether these boys had never worshiped God before or not, the Bible doesn't really say, but yet it opens up with this particular occasion to where that they are both notified, they are made known that it's time for them to go to church. As many of you, no doubt today, you knew we were going to have our first service, and I woke up I don't know how many times during the night. I woke up, I don't know how many times during the morning, kept looking over at my clock. I've got one over on a dresser there, kept looking at it, looking at it, scared to death. I was going to miss the first service, which would be bad for the pastor, wouldn't it? So I'm looking at the clock. Okay, I've got four more hours. I've got five more hours, whatever more. And then finally, you know, it rolled around. I thought, okay, I've got to get up. So I was anxious, needless to say. And I, Carol said, you sleep very good? I said, off and on. You? She said, well, I was waking up, going back to sleep, waking up. I, I was watching the clock. I, I said, yes, yeah, same here. So it must have been a similar thing for them in that they were very anxious to know what to do. It must have been very singular in that both of them had their own approach. And only one of them is going to be accepted. Now, you know, God is obligated to make his way known to sincere hearts. Oh, I love him for that, don't you? And he wants to make himself known to those who are even out of his economy by election. If they would only open their hearts and humble themselves to the way of the elect, God would accept them as well. But we're fixing to see the first setting where a hard-headed, stubborn mortal on the earth refuses to listen to God. And he also refuses to take advice and counsel from one who is more revelated than himself. Now that's always hard for one human being to do to another. And yet this is the setting that we have today. So the Bible then tells us that Cain had brought, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. So we see their vocations are totally different. Now originally man in the Garden of Eden, he did not paint for a living. He was not a plumber. He was not an electrician. He was not a computer scientist. But man was actually a gardener. So all man really had to do was to watch and just take care of what God had given. Adam never had to make any plants. He never had to hybrid any plants. He never had to come up with any sort of new product. Simply take care of what God gave him. And Adam failed in doing that. So he's to watch it and to keep it. And yet because of his disobedience, now he's put out and everything is gone away with of what he knew in the Garden of Eden. And now he's on the outside in the city state, as it were, of the region still called Eden, but no longer able to walk inside the garden. So his boys are going to, as they were identified, uh, they are going to come up and be able to worship. Now, we know already there was something totally different about Cain. We know that his nature was different, been different seed lines. And now he's going to reflect where he's from by how he goes to church. 
Now listen what the Bible says. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Now that would not seem unusual to a carnal minded man of the world because this is all he knew. This is what he'd done. So he tilled the ground. He was, as what we would say today, was a farmer. And Adam himself had now moved outside of the garden gate. And he also, no doubt, had started tilling. And he had done many various things. But somehow there was a difference in this. In that Cain is going to use this, his occupation, his job, as a means to come back to worship God. Now notice his first error is that he believes his works will get him favor in the eyes of God. Let me tell you right now, it will never do it. There's only one thing that will make us accepted in God's eyes, and that is we accept first God's provided way for our day. Other than that, we're lost. Now, but Cain, he has this idea. Now, we know that they were taught, the prophet tells us over and over again, they were taught that it was fruit that brought them out of the Garden of Eden. So all he's doing is simply bringing back what he was taught. So he was taught it was fruit, so what's he do? He brings maybe beautiful vegetables and fruits and plants. And as I said, he must have had a little bit of a warning, an inclination, and he has an idea that he's gonna have a little bit of time to prepare this. So he brought forth maybe his best cantaloupes, his best tomatoes, his best cucumbers, his best corn, and his best of this and that and that. And would you say laid a variety out before the presence of God? And they come near to where this altar was at the garden gate. Now, they never ventured to go exactly where it was, but as close as they felt comfortable in going. And while he lays it there and opens up, and oh, almighty God, I bring before you the very best that I have. I have labored, I have sweated, I have done this and I have done that. You understand where I'm going. I have done something else and God, I pray that you will take all this work of my hands. And while he's doing it, I hear a ruckus. I hear a noise. I hear something that is so different than what he is doing. And I look as I'm standing there with them and I see Abel. Now, whenever Eve named Cain, she said, I have gotten, which is acquired, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, that's the King James Version. But if you look in other versions, you'll find out she said, I have gotten a man with the Lord, not from him. But she actually believed she had been with God. And the product of that union was Cain. And we know, of course, they were twins. And Cain was first, being the firstborn. And then Abel was born, and she calls him vain. Vain. Shortness of life. Not very valuable. 
I don't want you to just look this morning at two ancient names of the scripture, but I want you to identify yourself with these two boys. Because in reality, all of our life story is written here in Genesis 4. There is a part of you that was the firstborn, your flesh. And the secondborn is your able, which is your seed, your soul. The firstborn is always the one that wants to be the boss. And you know what? Our Cain will do his best to kill our Abel. But don't let your Cain kill your Abel. You've got control over that Cain. That's right. So Cain was the first one. Notice the order. So he's the firstborn. He has the birthright. He has, as it would be, the order of the priesthood. He's the one that would have the first approach to God, seemingly. And yet he comes first and he's allowed to be there before the altar of God and the presence of God as close as he could come. And then here comes Abel. And Abel, I can see him as he gets a little, a little lamb without a spot or a blemish. And now we know this is totally contrary to what his father taught him. His daddy and his mother told him over and over again, it was fruit. It was fruit that brought us out of the Garden of Eden. We, we ate the wrong thing. We ate an apple. We ate a pomegranate. We ate, you know, we ate the wrong thing. And of course, that's why God told them to put clothes on because they ate an apple. Well, as it's been said, if eating apples makes people realize they're naked, we better buy a whole bushel of them. And go to Walmart, start passing them out. Maybe folks will start putting more clothes on. But we know it was not an apple. It was disobedience to God's word. And here comes Abel and he has a lamb and he tied a grapevine because there was no rope. So he tied a grapevine around that lamb's neck and he's pulling it to his altar. And here is Abel, is, or he's coming with tears and he's all emotional and all worked up and he's coming and, and Cain is just finishing his prayer. Remember, Cain was a very religious man. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us he was much more religious than Abel ever was. To be honest with you, I don't want to be religious. I want to be right. Righteousness is not necessarily being religious, but righteousness is having right standing with God. I ain't worried about being religious today and I don't want to bring any of you to religion so much. I want to bring you to Christ Jesus so you can be righteous before his presence. Is that what you want with all your hearts? So Abel comes now and Cain maybe just finishing up, maybe holding his hands a certain way and, and his elbows laying it on the altar and you know fixing his face to where that it was what he thought was an identification of sincerity and bringing it to Almighty God and God did not say a word. God did absolutely nothing. There was no heavenly reaction to Cain's offering. So here comes Abel, and he's pulling this little lamb. And the little lamb, 
And Abel pulling on him and pulling on him. And the dust kicking up from his legs. And here he comes, tears running down his cheeks, knowing that he's already accepted before he offers it to God. Hallelujah. You say, how can you say that? He hadn't, even, he hadn't even broke the blood cell of the lamb. He knew he was accepted because God gave him the divine approach. You see, before he ever offered the lamb, God accepted him and he accepted the lamb because of who he was. He accepted the person, the worshiper. Now, we know that being Sunday, of course, that all over the world today, already in Australia, New Zealand, and Asia, and in Africa, different parts of the world, people have already went to their Sunday service, and they're seven, eight hours ahead of us, uh, some of that farther away, uh, depending on the international date line where they cross it, and they've already had their Sunday morning service, and they've worshiped God, and they've offered their praise, and, but I wonder how many of them the Lord God actually accepted. You see, people think, well, whatever I get him, he will, he will take it. No, no, he won't. He will take only what his provided way says he will take. He's not like you and I, to where we think, well, if I get up and I give God this or that, God will take it. God said, no, I simply will not refuse, I will refuse, rather, your offering if you don't come my provided way. Now, you imagine by this time that kind of Cain is standing there and he's looking at his brother. And he's thinking, what in the world is the matter with him? You little holy roller, you loud outfit, where is your church order? Where don't you know how to worship? Oh, but he does. But he's so different from his half brother that his half brother is looking at him and trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Now remember, this is a very religious man. So Abel, the scripture says, brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel first and to his offering, not the other way around. It wasn't that God looked at the offering and said, okay, the offering is good, so I accept the offering and now I accept you. God accepted Abel and on that basis he accepted his offering. You say, well, how can that be? How was it? had already proved his approval of Abel by giving him a divine revelation. Now, there was no Bible in that day. Remember, no Genesis. Moses is writing this hundreds and hundreds of years after, actually thousands of years after that it took place. So there was no written Bible. There was no table. There was no prophets. There was nobody there. There was no church. There was no pastor. Even his mother and father taught him wrong, but God wanted to make sure he knew the right way to worship. You see, God is obligated to his own to bring the way of righteousness to his own. I'm so grateful for that today. Where would you and I be today, friends, had it not been for that? Was anybody in here taught wrong besides me? I tell you, the more I realize about God, the more I realize how much I didn't even know about God. And God, by his grace, brought us to his truth. And it was not because of the truth I knew that brought me to him, but it was because of this truth. I was bone of his bone and spirit of his spirit and life of his life. I was part of him before I ever even knew I was part of him. 
So he accepted that on Abel and he gives him a divine revelation. I tell you, we may be poor people, we may be middle class people, we may be lower class people, but if we're sitting here today and God has given to us a revelation of who he is and who we are and where we're going and what it's gonna take to get there, we ought to be one happy group of people. Praise the Lord. Oh, my. Now, the story turns. We've got Abel in verse 4, which is accepted. Watch what happens in verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. God doesn't even answer Cain. He doesn't even say anything about Cain's offering until after Abel offers his. So now this is going to place Cain in bad light, but not just in the eyes of God. Not just because of God, but because of his brother. His brother made him look like a bad person. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. Now Moses had a reason for writing that in those terms. So Cain comes up to the altar. And he has this smile as it was. This this appearance of knowing that he's going to be accepted. So he comes. Oh my, he must have just been so upbeat. He was so happy. Oh, praise God. God's going to accept me today. I'm, I'm going to be able to walk into his presence. And maybe, who knows? Who knows? God may even let me back inside the garden gate. Mom and daddy's told me that it's in there. And they told me how great it was. Maybe God will let me back in. And he's coming with such anticipation. And he's so excited, and there must have been a look upon his countenance. It was just beaming with joy. And here he's standing the whole time, and then a little bit of something affects him as his brother comes. And he's still standing there hopeful that God's going to let him back in. And then when God, when God performs a miracle and sends down a streak of fire out of heaven and consumes Abel's offering, Theo de Cushin, Theo de Cushin. God looked intently on Abel's offering. God didn't just look at it, but God looked with such intentness that fire come out of heaven is the word Theo de Cushin. Fire come out of heaven from the presence of God and ignited that lamb and God burned it up. God made not a move when Cain offered his. So here is the Holy Ghost and fire, praise the Lord, identified with Abel's offering. This is why I still believe in the Holy Ghost and fire, not the Holy Ghost and ashes. I don't want just ashes of what we used to have. Anybody say amen? I don't want just ashes. Well, we used to do this. We used to praise God. We used to worship God. Shame on you if you just used to do it. You ought to do it now more than you've ever done it in your life. We got more to praise him for. 
We got more to thank him for. But you can imagine now. So the prophet tells us this when the harvest time by revelation of the word, God's word before it was even written. You see, God's word was already allocated in the heavens and God has never had a new thought. God has never even spoke a new word. So every page of the scripture, every book of the Bible, every word that every prophet would ever say was already in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And that's why God, by revelation, would deal with these prophets in this supernatural, majestic form. That God would convey from his own mind something he wanted them prophets to catch. And they was a direct contact, oh my, from the presence of God straight to their soul. How in the realm of vision, the fourth dimension, they were able to go into that realm and God would project. It was such a perfect channel that Satan could never get into it. Unlike you and I, well, I feel led to do this and I feel led. And we've all felt led to do a lot of things that turned out to be the devil. Well, go ahead and say amen, you have. But when God wanted to secure a way that was so infallible, he chose a prophet and he chose the means to project his time by the way of vision. It was so perfect, it could not be broken. That's why when a prophet would say, thus saith the Lord, there ain't enough devils in hell to stop it from happening. Is that right? This is where we hang our soul today. So when God projects this, before there was ever any prophets, God projects this revelation straight to the heart of Abel, and Abel does this all according to the revelation of God. And now God vindicates it. It's not enough for you and I to say, I believe God with all of my heart. We need the sign of our exception. Which is what, Brother Donnie? The token, the Holy Ghost, and fire. Oh, well, I, I picked out my pew here in the new building. I, I'm going to be there every time you have a service. That's my sign I'm a believer. No, that's just being faithful to your post of duty. You're supposed to be at your post of duty. Is that right? But that does not mean that God has accepted you. God wants to see the token on display in every life. And God doesn't want it to be just by, well, I join a church, I sign a book, I attend a church. I believe every word the prophet said. That's just being able to read. God wants that stamp of approval on your soul and on my soul that we have passed from death unto life. When did the fire come and consume the lamb after the lamb was dead? When do you and I get the seal of the Holy Ghost on our soul when our first nature is dead? We are no longer just church members. We are no longer trying to live right. Well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. It takes more than turning over a new leaf. I'm going to try to be a good person. I went to the library yesterday, Brother Donnie, and I checked out how to be a better Christian. And I've got a whole library of self-help books. You might as well start a fire with them because they'll never get you to heaven. There's only one way you can ever get there, and that is by God's will accepting what God did and God accepting you and giving you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can hold that token in Satan's face and say, back off, devil. Cancer gets a hold of your body. You can hold your token and say, turn me loose. Satan grabs a hold of one of your kids or your husband or your wife. You can hold that token before you and say, Satan, take your hand off of my daughter. Take your hand off of my son. 
Hallelujah. Well, wouldn't this be the natural thing to do? So you got confidence in your daddy, so-called. You got confidence in your mama. They tell you it was an apple. So what do you do? You go to an apple tree. You pull down a red delicious, a golden delicious. You pull down the Fiji, you pull down this one, you pull down that one. You say, well, I'm not sure exactly what apple it was, but I'm just going to offer God all these fruits, and I'm going to polish them. They are going to be so beautiful. I'm going to throw in a few cantaloupes, maybe a watermelon, who knows, some figs. I'm going to make God so overwhelmed, there's no way God will be able to turn me down. I'm going to buy the wood of some coal. I'm going to buy some groceries for some good people. And I'm going to do this and that. Boy, when I get up to heaven, there ain't no way God will turn me down. He will if you don't have the Holy Ghost. He will if you don't come his provided way. Is that right, saints? You see, the Hebrew word that Moses chose to use there, I found this amazing. It was a look that was so keen and earnest and a penetrating glance penetrating glance and then the the theologian uh, theodosian in the the greek translator in the second century used this this word that i've been uh, claiming to you and it means to be kindled or set on fire or ignited i hope that's what the lord god does to every member of this church all many of you've had the holy ghost for years and years but I dare say we could probably take a refilling this morning, couldn't we? I want you to notice, turn with me in Hebrews, if you would, chapter 11, verse 4. And Paul catches this sometime years later after this. And he said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. Now notice then, so Abel's, Abel's blood had a voice. So Abel's blood had a voice. Abel was dead, Paul said, being dead, yet speaketh. Well, what was it that spoke? The blood had a voice. And Moses, when he takes the account, of course, he doesn't pull it through the cross, but Paul is identifying that there was something more than just a natural fruits and vegetables, something more than an animal. But supernaturally, God had given this man a witness, and he obtained this from God that he was righteous. After all, friend, isn't this what it's all about, being accepted? You know, it's not only for church people, but the majority of the people in the world, they want to be accepted. So why do they dress a certain way? Why do they do a certain thing? Why do they hang around certain people? Because they want to be accepted in that group of people. Is that right? Now, it's not necessarily wrong to want to be accepted. I think we all do. But it depends on who you are wanting to be accepted by. Most of you probably feel that way. Do you not today? I've always wanted to be accepted most of my life, and yet there's always been categories of people I have never been accepted in. And there will always be. But now I realize as I've gotten older that my category of people that I want to be accepted in has also changed. 
So I don't want to be accepted in the upper echelon of America. I do not want to be accepted in the great people of the world, what they would call great. But what I desire to be accepted in is by Almighty God and by His children. I don't figure there's any higher category of people on the earth than the seed of God. Can anybody say amen to that? And yet many of you young people know what it's like. You may want to hang around a certain group of our youth. Or you may go to a youth camp and you say, oh, I'd like to make friends with them. And no matter how hard you try, it seems you're not accepted. Maybe your clothes aren't nice enough or you don't come from a nice enough family and it really bothers you because you're not accepted. Oh, I would to God that we was that concerned about being accepted by God like we are people we go to church with and people that we will meet at a youth camp or maybe a certain chat or something on Facebook or Instagram. And you say, well, nobody's invited me to join that chat. Nobody will let me be a part of it. Well, I'll tell you today, Almighty God is right here in this building and if you're not saved and you don't know him, he is making you the most awesome offer you'd ever be able to give. And that is to be accepted in the beloved to be accepted, hallelujah, in the body of Jesus Christ and to be accepted in the rapture and the change. Oh, my. Oh, God, help us. Unto Abel and his offering. Notice accepting the person before accepting the gift. Notice this, the prophet tells us Cain made his altar just as pretty, prettier than Abel's. Well, of course it would have been prettier because you would lay out the fruits and the vegetables, maybe, you know, use a little bit of greenery, one of the good things for broccoli. Wow. <laughs> use broccoli for decoration and parsley, you know, and some of that stuff. And then you'd lay it all out and you'd just decorate it so beautifully and then you'd have something real, real beautiful and outstanding in the middle of it. And then you lay all these other things around there. You come and say, oh, God, I'm so impressed myself. Wow, look what I've done. Look at what I've done. And then your brother comes up and he builds his altar. Maybe out of rough hewn stone. It's not pretty at all. It's not beautiful. And he takes that lamb. And he doesn't have a knife as we would today, but a sharp rock with an edge on it maybe a piece of flint or something, and he goes to hack it. Not little lamb. The blood is getting in its, in its throat, and it's choking. And the hot blood spewing out all over Adam's or Abel's clothes. Lord God. The blood all over the altar. And here Cain stands Cain. I cannot believe him. He thinks that's church. He thinks that's the way you're supposed to behave in church. I'm afraid we've still got a few Canaanites hanging around us. Oh my, anybody go to crying, go to standing up and waving their hands to the Lord. They think there's something wrong with you. Well, we think the opposite. We think there's something wrong with you if you don't want to do it. Oh, my, there ought to be something inside of us that wants to praise the living God. 
you imagine as Abel realizes this lamb is dying in his stead. This lamb is taking his place. And the tears now trickling out of his eyes, mingling with the blood of the lamb. And there he stands, an absolute mess. He looks like a butcher. A butcher. How could anyone with love butcher this innocent animal? He wanted to be accepted. Friends, as you're a pastor, I want you to love me. I want you to love me. I want you to appreciate the good things God does to us. But if ever one of you turned me down, turn your back on me after this service and say, we don't want you no more. We wanted to use you just long enough till you'd finish this building and now we've got somebody else in mind. Now that would be painful to me. It would break my heart. But more than you accepting me, I want him to accept me. When you and I come to crossing that great river called death, mama won't be there, daddy won't be there, even the pastor can't be there. Just a little while ago, our brother over in South Africa a few hours ago got ready to cross. His son couldn't be there, his wife couldn't be there. She was in the automobile with him, but she's in the hospital in intensive care. But when he come to crossing over, The only one that could be with him was the Lord. Oh, he was known around the world, a man of honor, reputation among many, many people in South Africa, of course, and in different parts of the world. And yet, none of those people saying, well, accept him, Lord, accept him. That's not enough. Our brother would have to have the fire. You see, it's when God looks upon the sacrifice you see, people, many of them to this day still cannot understand why the Lord Jesus had to suffer the way that he did. The wrath of God was being taken out again on the Lamb of God this time. Not a four-legged lamb, but a two-legged lamb with a soul. You see, that four-legged lamb of Abel did not have a soul. So the innocency of that lamb could not come back into Abel. But when the Lamb of God died on the cross, blading and weeping and crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was it? He was making a way so we could sit here this morning in the month of February 2023 and some of us being our background drunks and adulterers and idolaters and liars and whoremongers and everything else you can imagine. But here we sit today with the Spirit of God cleansing our soul and raising in our hands before Almighty God and God saying, I accept you. I accept your worship. I accept your praise because I accept you. Oh. Notice the prophet goes on to say in the bottom part of this quote, God vindicated Abel by consuming his sacrifice. So God consumed Abel's sacrifice. Then what Abel has is the token. So God didn't let the fire go over on Abel and lick all the blood off of Abel. 
But Abel has the chemistry all over him. You imagine he must have looked like a mess. Wonder what you and I would have thought, Brother Larry, that day if we'd been standing near and see this guy and say, where have you been? Where have you been to the slaughterhouse? No, I've been to church. Blood all over his hands, blood all over his clothes, blood all over his face, all mingled together with tears, and he's shouting a little bit as he goes back rejoicing, praise God, praise God. You say, what in the world are you so happy for? Because God received me. And because God accepted me, God accepted my sacrifice. And the reason God accepted my sacrifice because it was the right one. He made it known to me what he would accept. I simply carried out what he said. Oh, friend, we expect to be misunderstood. We expect to be laughed at, ridiculed, made fun of. But really, in reality, that don't matter. What matters is we know when it's all said and done, we will be accepted by the Lord God because we accept him. His atonement for our sins. Oh my, so here we are in church. This one guy shouting around, happy, praising God. And this other person's getting mad in church. Ooh, still happens, don't it? Folks get mad in church. But under Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very Ross. Now notice the order again that God didn't accept the person so he doesn't accept the sacrifice. Do you want to do all these good works in vain? Do you realize many people is going to stand before the Lord that day and he will look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Yet they will say, I cast out devils in your name. I built churches, I, I, I preached, I sang, I, I, I was on the field for years and years. I've done this and that and say, that's not what I accept. I don't even know you. Lord God, help us. Notice this word, Ross. It means to be, to be hot, furious, burned, to become kindled, vexed vexation, furious. So this is what Cain got from going to church on Sunday morning. So he went in the office, oh man, he was in the best mood that ever was, and he goes in there, and this is what he turns into. Furious, burn, become angry, become kindled, go out the back door and slam the door. I'll never go back there again. And yet here we are rejoicing and worshiping God for the truth. It still happens, does it not? So Cain now being so upset and his countenance falls. Now Moses, of course, was in, in a secret place with God. We'll say in the cleft of the rock when God reveals this to him. And Moses must have, like other prophets, saw it by vision. People want to know why we believe the Bible is so infallible. And how could these men that were not even there record these events as if though they were there? Well, because to us, the way we believe it, they were there. They were transported back in time. I believe Moses myself walked right there in the Garden of Eden. I also believe the prophet of this age, also by vision, was able to go back in the Garden of Eden. As he preaches about it and said that he was beside myself last night, 
And I come to myself and it's beside myself and I saw Adam and Eve. Remember him talking about that? He also said the same thing about seeing the five comings of Elijah. This is why it was so real to them. By vision, they were actually carried back in time to see it. And he sees two people in church. Wasn't a very big church at all, but they had a big split over it. <laughs> so one of them gets mad and one of them says glad. One of them gets angry and one of them gets under a murdering spirit and the other one gets killed by one church service. Notice the prophet said Cain wanted to be religious and he went and made his own religion. And when he did, he brought it before God, something like this, here's the best I've got. This is all I can do about it. Now take it or leave it. Boy, if that ain't the attitude of the Laodicea today. God, I ain't coming your way. Don't you tell me how to dress. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me this or that. I won't come no more. We'll do this or that or the other. Why? People want their own man-made religion. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Take it or leave it. Oh, yeah, he wants his own way. That's the way Cain did. I heard the prophet say it the other day, and I shared it with several different minister friends of mine, that the prophet said, man does not want to be told what to do. He wants to be his own boss. Anybody here like that besides me? The rest of all you liars, get up here and pray through. Man wants to be his own boss. Well, I think and I believe, and that's what I want to do. Yeah, you see, that's your boss talking. That's right. Notice this. He believes his own ideas will get him in. That's what he thinks is his own way. So this is the nature of the earthly man to come up with an earthly religion. So notice where his religion came from, the earth. He was a tiller of the soil. You see, this is what many of us do so much of. We till our soil. We baby our soil. We fertilize it. We feed it. We give it what it wants. Oh, my goodness, if it it don't like hard preaching, we just change churches, don't we? If it don't like this and that, we just do whatever it wants. So we nurture it and we love it. Oh, don't you love yourself? Aren't you just absolutely? Don't sit there and look at me like I'm a weirdo. Sure you do. You love yourself. You have this built in you called self-preservation. An element of that, God gave you that, but Satan anoints it to where we make idolatry out of it and then we will bring our sacrifice from the toil of the soil. Here I am, God. What do you think? Am I just awesome or what? Am I about the greatest son you ever made on earth? I know you're sitting there laughing at me, but if we could hear the way we talk and think about ourselves, sometimes it might scare you. Cain was more religious than Abel was. He'd done more for the Lord, he says, than Abel did. Wow, done more for the Lord? Done more for the Lord? than Abel did. And the Lord said unto Cain, Genesis 4, 6, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? And then God gives him his remedy. Do like your brother, and I will accept you. Huh. You mean to tell me 
I've got to do like him. I've got to act like him. I'm older than him. I'm the firstborn. Now watch your flesh. I'm the firstborn. Shut up, Cain. Shut up, Cain. Talk to me, Abel. Talk to me. Tell me who I am, Abel. You're a son of the living God. Tell me where I'm going, Abel. One morning between six and nine, your body's gonna be changed. Oh, Cain's gonna be able to come to a change and by the power of Abel on the inside, it will turn that outside man into a brand new creature. Tell me, Abel, what's my hope? In Christ Jesus, all things are yours. Tell me, Abel, is there any good promise for me in the word of God? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. If any two on earth will agree as touching anything, it shall be done. If ye abide me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it shall be done. Come on with me now, children. If you listen to Abel do a lot of the talking, you'd be a whole lot better off instead of listening to Cain run his fat mouth. Your old Cain will talk you right out of your salvation. He'll talk you right out of your victory, right out of your joy. But you need to shut his mouth. Brother Donnie, how am I going to do it? Well, you've got a right to the pillar of fire just like Abel did. So the Spirit of God coming inside of you. Can I have a few more minutes? Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Oh, don't you love it when the word shuts the mouth of the devil? Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And the odds still ain't good for Baal's prophets. One against 450, the odds still ain't good. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, not by books, not by ashes, not by intellectual conception, but the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Praise the Lord. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. They will regret that agreement. (laughs) It is well spoken. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many. Now you little guys, you know, bless your little hearts. You need all the the help you can get. So y'all go ahead and start first. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. 
And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. Now here they start, early in the morning. Their morning began at six o'clock. So they start in the morning. Third hour of the day was nine o'clock. They're still calling. Now noontime comes, six hour of the day, they're still calling. they had some singers. I imagine they had some choir directors. I imagine they brought out the minstrels and the tambourines and they was a harping and they was a jumping around and they was a dancing. Oh, does anybody feel it? Oh, yes, brother, I feel it. Oh, Baal's fixing to come. Well, five after nine, he still hadn't showed up. Ten after ten, he hadn't showed up. Eleven after eleven, he hadn't showed up. Twelve after twelve, he hadn't showed up. Guess what? He still ain't showed up. Cause there is no real God named Baal. It is a figment of man's imagination. Idolatry in the form of demons. Oh yeah. My, my, my. Now watch old brother Elijah. Now, old Baal hear us, but there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar, which is made. Glory to God, they're getting Pentecostal Baalites. <laughs> so now they move and they jump upon the altar. Glory to God, hallelujah. I feel it, I feel it. Now you know I'm not making fun of the real spirit of God. But look how emotional they got, little friend. We want more than emotion. Does emotion come with it? Yes. And if your religion ain't got no emotion, you better bury it. Now watch the spirit of Elijah. You see, it tends to go with the Elijah spirit that people who are under it tend to ridicule and make fun of dead religion. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a god Either he is talking or pursuing or he's in a journey or maybe he's asleep. Oh my goodness. And you can imagine you got 450 false prophets there and you got one little bitty old skinny arm guy standing there by himself. Little bitty old guy that the world absolutely hated, despised him, and yet he gets so bold and he stands up there and ridicules. Notice what he's doing. Look at all these things that he's doing. He is absolutely identifying this theory as something that is false. Now, of course, he could not say this about his God. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, which means he could not hear and talk at the same time. Even I can do that. And I'm certainly not a God. So this must have been a pretty puny God. Look what he's doing to their God. He is stripping him down to size. Either he's talking or he's pursuing. As a God, he's out there after somebody. I'll be right back to my Godship in a few minutes. I'm after somebody. Hold, hold tight over there. I'll be back in a few minutes. 
because it can't do two things at once. I'll tell you how big my God is. If he's got millions of Christians all over the world that live in different time zones and they all live in different zip codes and every one of them's got to have prayers answered, uh, you won't get my prayer, you won't get yours, or you won't get yours or theirs. Every one of us will get the right answer at the right address at the right time because our God can multitask. He is the original multitasker. Hallelujah. He can talk. He can listen. He can do all this at one time because he is Elohim. Now Elijah goes real low, and he says, he's went to sleep up there in heaven on you guys. And he's snoring so loud, y'all may have to get really loud yourself. Hey, Peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. After they cried aloud, I want you to listen to what people do under demonic force. They go to cutting themselves. God never asked his children to cut themselves for him. God don't specialize in cutting. He specializes in healing cuts. So now they're getting so wrapped up so they're jumping, they're screaming, and Elijah's making them mad and boy, you imagine they're so mad, they're furious. They're sweating and they're slobbing and they're spitting. It must have been one mess. And you know, Elijah said, well, call him a little loud. <laughs> Go ahead and call on your God. Go ahead and call it. And them thinking, you sorry outfit, you. We'll get you. We'll do this. We'll do that, the other. He said, Go ahead. Go ahead. Curse me by your gods that don't exist. They cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out of them. And it came to pass when midday was passed, they prophesied, oh Lord. So now they've jumped, they've screamed, they've hollered, they've cut themselves with knives and lances, and now they start prophesying. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. You imagine Paul Elijah. He probably went over and took a break about 2 o'clock having an evening siesta. He's probably just absolutely wore out with all this nonsense. I, I know exactly how I feel sometimes. Sometimes you just get wore out with the nonsense of people. You just wish people would get really sincere with God and let's see what God will do. Let's quit playing church. Let's have church. We've got a great place to have church. Why do you say we just start having church here? We've got a great building that the Spirit of God can move among us. We've got a lot of needs. We've got a lot of sick folk. Let's just start having church. Let's just let the Lord God move among us. Now watch how bad they get. came to pass on the midday was past. They prophesied to the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. There was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. Elijah's ministry is a restoration back to the original. 
He didn't go in there and turn the altar up and say, we don't need the altar no more. It was a restoration back to the altar. That was broken down. Who broke it down? A bunch of these false prophets. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great would contain two measures of seed and put the wood in order. You see, God ain't scared of order as long as it's divine order. Divine order allows you to still worship God. Divine order still allows you to praise the Lord. Come on, don't get scared of order. What we don't want is man-made order. I love divine order. Oh, my. Cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels. No, what? You're putting water on the sacrifice and water on the wood? Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third pull. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they did it the third time. And the water ran. The water ran round about the altar and filled the trench also with water. It looked like to a man in his human mind would think, what are you doing? You want the driest kindling. You want the driest wood. And if God don't do it, you can be able to sneak over there, rub it hard enough, maybe a light on its own. Man, you're making it totally impossible for this move to be anything other than God. Ah, that's exactly what we want, you see. We're not interested in a Reagan move. We're not interested in a Ron Spencer move or a Tim Pruitt move or any other man-made move. We want a move of God Almighty. We don't want to move when we're just stirred by this preacher and that preacher and that preacher goes home and you lose your revival. I want a revival when I'm a thousand miles from Brother Ron Spencer. I'm 2,000 miles from Brother Tim Pruitt. I can still be in revival because the revival is down inside of my Abel. I don't have to get around a preacher to have revival. I want to stay in revival. I want to stay on fire. You imagine this out. Well, we might as well shut the doors now down. We're ruined. This is going to be a huge embarrassment. And it came to, ta- to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So here it was at the evening time that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned, oh no, turned their heart back again Ain't that what Malachi 4 said? In the last days, he'd send Elijah 
and he would turn their hearts back, Brother Jerry, and here is Elijah, the Old Testament, identifying with the same thing. Lord, turn their hearts back to what? The original apostolic teaching of the Bible. So here is Elijah, oh glory, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then, oh wow. So he didn't have to go to nine o'clock at night, 12 o'clock, and then one o'clock, and then three o'clock the next day, and five o'clock the next day. But as soon as the man of God spoke about restoration face, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. That's my God. I said, that's my God. <laughs> Against all the odds. Oh, but you see the move wasn't over yet. I'm going to close. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, Give them a big social security check and sign them up on Medicare and welfare. Let not a one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. Good Lord, what a thing for a man to do. And slew them there. An accepted worshiper. Let me just read another scripture in the New Testament. Matthew 15, 22 And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. So what if one of the deacons had met you at the door this morning and said, Look, sir, you're not welcome here today. Or told one of you ladies, you're not welcome here. We don't know you. We ain't never seen you before. You're not welcome. Boy, I can imagine you'd have stomped out of here. You'd have had it on Facebook before you ever pulled out of the parking lot. You'd have called the Johnson City Press, Elizabeth and Star. He said, that church up there, I'll tell you one thing. I went up there and I... The disciples telling Jesus, would you get rid of this woman? She crieth after us. She is nothing but a pest. She's aggravating us to death. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you're a Gentile dog. But she would not take no, not even from Jesus. The prophet says about this woman, she had so much faith, even Jesus himself couldn't run her off. Lord God, let me be that kind of man. Let me be that kind of person. Don't you young people want to be that kind of young people? But notice this verse. Then came she and worshipped him. Amen. Amen. He 
He turned her down. His disciples had you know, already treated her bad. That didn't change her. She said, I'm going to be accepted. I'm getting what I need. And somehow it dropped in her heart. The key is worship your way through this. Worship your way through this resentment. Worship your way through this rejection. She didn't have a scripture there now, nothing. But somehow it just dropped there. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him when I feel like it. I'm going to praise him when I don't. I'm going to clap my hands when the hands is tired. I'm going to lift my voice when I'm hoarse. I'm going to worship him. Let it be said about us. Then Donnie came and worshiped him. Then Brenda came. Then Carol came. Then Carrie came. Then you came and worshiped him. It so moves his heart. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meek to take the children's bread and cast it to you. You're a dog. And she said, Amen. Amen. I'm a dog. There's two Greek words that are used for the word dog. Whenever Jesus said dog, he used the one word, which means a big dog. But when she answered him, she used the other Greek word used for dog, which means little dog. Jesus had so humbled her, but she went down beneath the humility that he placed upon her. She said, that's right. I know I'm a dog. I have no right. I have no claim. But my little girl needs your touch today, Lord God. I say to you, my little girl, back there in that office, needs the touch of the same master today. Maybe some of you here today need the touch of that same master. You may say, I'm not worthy. Of course you're not. I'm not either. But let's worship him. Let's worship him. Let's get a hold of his heart. And he won't be able to tell us no. You're my healer. Hallelujah. You're my provider. You're my savior. You're my king. You're my everything. I don't feel like praising you. I don't feel like worshiping you. But I'm going to do it anyhow. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Lord, have mercy, children. This is one of the few times when Jesus in the New Testament places the outcome of the scenario in the hands of the believer. Lord God. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. 
Brother Donnie, reckon how she willed it. The last words of the verse tell us. And her daughter was made whole. <laughs> From that very hour. Why? She willed it so. Now, if she would have willed that it waited till tomorrow, till next week, till next year, that's exactly the way it would have happened. But Brother Jim, within her being, a dog, a Gentile, so humiliated, so embarrassed. Don't you see what real faith does? It goes over the top of humiliation and says, I've got a need. I'm desperate. Stand Accepted worshipers. How many of them have got here today? Where you feel like you've met God's requirement. God has testified back to you. You believe God will hear your prayer. What do you have need of? Need to move in your home? Move in your marriage? Move in your finances? What do you believe? What can you believe for? He's only limited to what our faith. If we limit him, well, he saved me. He's saying, that's all I want. Oh, my. You've got a whole arcade, the prophet said, of all the good things of God. What do you need? But Brother Donnie, I'm, I'm past 60, and I'm getting old, and, and all these supposed things supposed to just be on old people once you get Social Security and all that stuff. My Bible tells me I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as I so prospers. I don't even believe in divine healing. I believe in divine health. Show me somewhere in the Scripture where the Scripture says, I have to have rheumatoid arthritis. Show me somewhere in the scripture so whenever it says I get old, I have to have Alzheimer's. Show me where it says it. Oh, but it runs in my family. But you've got another family tree. Right. Hallelujah. You've got another family tree. Don't look just to the DNA of your natural family. Look to the DNA of God. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed Jesus. If you don't mind, I want you to lay hands on one another this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord God. Thank you, Father. Brother Joel Brown, you and Brother John go back to my office and lay your hands on Erica. I'll stay here and pray for the people. Any other ministers here that I don't see, come with them. Heavenly Father, we believe you're the God who answers by fire. Lord Jesus, we approach it today with our needs and our hearts, our requests, our burdens. These believers had their hands one laid upon the other. Some needing to move in their home, some in their marriage, some of their children wayward, maybe their finances. Whatever it is, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God, I pray, move amongst your people. 
Help us, Father, that we can believe the promise of your word. That Gentile woman didn't even have a scripture. She did not have one scripture to base her faith on. But somehow she believed she was in your presence. And you couldn't run her off. One of the very few people in the New Testament that was attributed this great saying, you have great faith. We don't even know her name. We don't know nothing about her family tree. But what we know is she had great faith. Lord God, let that be said about us. When we die, we may not leave much. Our legacy will be very small, no doubt. The world will hardly even know we was ever here. But Lord God, may you testify of our lives that we pleased you, Father. As these believers have their hands laid one upon the other, in the name of Jesus, may the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ go through this building. While my minister friends and brothers are there in my office laying their hands on Erica, Lord, so thankful she could be in church today. She's back on the office laying on the couch, but at least she's here. She wanted to come to the house of God. May the Holy Ghost, I pray, go right there, Father, this morning, minister healing. You've already healed her, Lord. We're just waiting for the full manifestation of her miracle. Lord, when this thing happened to her several years ago and you've laid a little something on my heart to get her a bunch of scriptures and a bunch of quotes together so she could look at them every day, and I entitled it Erica's Miracle. So, Father, it's already been claimed, it's already been titled, and we believe it, Lord. Maybe there's others right here today. They need a miracle. Let them put their name on it. Let them call it their name. Let it be their miracle, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, if there's anyone lost, anyone that don't have the Holy Ghost, would you pass this way today, Lord God? We worship you, Father. Thank you for the service today, Lord. We want to be accepted worshipers. We bless your name. We worship you now, Father God. Hallelujah. Can we just worship him together now just a bit before we go? We got a little bit of time, don't we? Oh, you got plans? Sure, the same number of mine. We've been waiting and waiting for this for months, years now, to be able to get in. Let's take advantage of it. Let's sing touching Jesus' hands. Hallelujah. Oh, woman, tried so many physicians. Treatment after treatment, scan after scan, yet grew worse. So to Jesus, she came. Help me sing it now. Thank you, Lord. When that crowd tried to restrain her, she whispered these words through her pain. Everybody now, thank God. Oh, 
church said
church today. Praise the Lord. You know, Brother Larry is facing a very, very serious surgery in his life, and we're believing the Lord's going to touch Brother Larry, but he's very, very serious surgery, and he is, was scheduled to sing this today, and we just kind of ran out of time, but I wonder, Brother Larry, if you could just sing the verse, to he touch me. And I want you to make that as personal as you can. That he touched you today. He touched Sister Erica back in the back room today. He touched whatever you have need of today. Put yourself in that. He touched me. Let's sing that together. Brother, if you'd leave the verse, and we'll all help you on the course. Thank you, Lord. Oh, this is a great day to be a Christian. Hallelujah. to him now church
chorus once again. Oh, he touched me. Thank you, Lord. Josiah, Josiah Swanson, are you, where are you at, buddy? Brother Josiah, where's he at? We want you to come right there. Bring your camera with you. Come up here real quick. Bring your camera. This being the first service, uh, we wanted to get here of our congregation. And uh, with Brother Donnie maybe standing here at the, at the podium, uh, just be something that we'll have to look at through the days. And we're all getting older. It'll be something to still look at. If you're getting real old, you'll flip past it right real quick. But we're so glad to have all of you here today. Every one of you, God bless you, you're welcome. Look at somebody and tell them you're welcome. Now give each other a good hand if you would. Service tomorrow night for the young people, 6 to 8. Brother Andrew Glover will be speaking. Service again here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Remember that. Let's sing this as we go. I'm in this church. It's a glorious church. Are you glad to be part of what God's doing? Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm in this church. It's a glorious church. I did not join. I was born. Church. 